It's not a thing for you to wait for it. It's not a thing for you to uh, wait for it to manifest visibly to all necessarily, even though I think that is going to happen eventually. It's a thing that by faith you just step into it. So even right now, if we, you could close your eyes. Why don't you just do that? Let's just try and experiment, okay, if you will. Just close your eyes right now. And I want you to picture the Father. Just pull up in your sanctified imagination. Just picture Papa. You see him? (laughs) That's good, isn't it? There he is. He's got a big smile on his face. His arms are wide open. Now just step closer to him. You feel that cloud of his presence? That's it right there. You're just stepping into the cloud. Now ask him a question. Anybody hear him say anything back? Mm, You're so good, Papa. So that's what I was doing. I was doing that, just that. And what I heard, what I heard Papa saying was this. Um, he said, you know, Matthew, what I really care about is healing. And I said, well, Father, I'm asking you for some new revelation on healing. And he said, you really don't need some new revolution. You don't really need some new revelation. You just need to learn how to use what you already have. You know, and so I'm calling this message this morning to to piggyback on Becky's on hope. I'm calling this the hope of healing. And uh, I always like to be reminded that biblically, the word hope in the Bible is a synonym for certainty. You know, not like oh man, I hope it happens. It's not that kind of hope. It's, it's going to happen. That's the kind of hope that we're talking about. So it's the certainty of the healing of God. It's the hope of healing that we have as the children of our Father. Amen? And uh, so what I want to do this morning is really just remind us of things that you probably already know. Maybe it'll be new for, for, for some people, but for a lot of us, I'm preaching to the choir here. But I know for me, and I believe this is for you as well, is a reminder of our inheritance is always uh, a good thing. You know, to be reminded of what we truly have. Hey, there's my Lydia back there. Hey, baby. Aw. You probably wondered why Sarah and I got in here by ourselves this morning. <laughs> we had one of our 24-hour dates, which we try to do from time to time, thanks to Nana and Papa. So, <laughs> more importantly, they survived. Give them a big hand. <laughs> we get a trophy. <laughs> so, uh, so that's what I want to talk about this morning. I'm going to really jump quickly through a bunch of scriptures here, but... uh. Here's a, here's a good problem that I have, you know. I don't know if any of you guys have the same good problem. <laughs> and the good problem is this. When I go back and read the history books, not from 500 years ago, not from 1,000 years ago, not even from 2,000 or the time of Christ in the book of Acts, but I, when I read the history books from just the last 100 years, okay, now, anybody in here 100 Okay, I didn't think so. Dean is, 
Um, <laughs> Arthur was, that's the closest. But <clears throat> let's just put it in this context then. Within, just beyond Arthur Birch's lifetime, okay, who we met here just recently, he was in this church, there has been an outpouring of healing anointing of God upon the world like no time in the history of the world. Even in the early church, I don't believe. In terms of numbers healed, significance of healing. I mean, you know that scripture where Jesus says, and these things I do, you shall also do, and even greater works. You know, I mean, realistically, isn't that kind of a hard scripture? You know, like, I'd be really happy just to do what he did. You know, wouldn't you be really excited? I mean, you'd be overjoyed. You'd be doing backflips down the aisle just to do what Jesus did. But he said, unless he's speaking metaphorically, but I can't find room for that, that there's greater things. Well, do you realize that our generation, if we stretch into our being like Arthur Burt, who's alive on the earth today, that has been a part of us. It has literally been a part of our heritage, hasn't it? And I know a lot, some of you have read some of the great books, like God's Generals and, and so on. I w- I'm reading the life works, thanks to Chet Rubes, who left me this inheritance. <laughs> He's got the life teachings and works that's about that thick of John G. Lake, and another one that's equally as thick on Smith Wigglesworth. You know, so I'm just delving into these 1,000 plus page books. They're back there on my shelf um, on John G. Lake. And it's just absolutely mind boggling. Now, again, the good difficulty I have with it all is that I read this and I look at our surrounding and I think, man, what are the possibilities? You know, and if these are the possibilities, how do I get in on that? Because I really want to be a part of that. I believe I can be. I believe you can be. Okay, let me say that first. It's not just for me up here on this stage this morning. It's for us. Amen. It's for all of us. We're going to read in the Great Commission how Jesus called all Christians to go lay their hands on the sick and they will recover, right? So it's not just for the chosen few and those with, listen carefully, even just those with gifts of healing. Because some Christians like to take it out and say, well, God's not really called me to that ministry. Now true, maybe He's given a greater portion or a greater calling to some more than others, but you're all called. And that's the exciting part. And I think we all believe that. I just want to remind us of that. Now, let me just pique your interest here um, with one thing. Arthur Burt, you remember in his prophecy from years ago, he said there were arms and legs that would come down from heaven as a part of this generation. Now, that is going to happen, but it's already happened as well. Just around the time of Arthur's birth in, uh, in California, of course, on that um, Azusa Street, Rundown stable, they turned into a revival center there with William Seymour. Um, I've, I've got this little book called They Told Me Their Miracles, where this guy interviewed in the 1960s um, people who were teenagers, and some of them were children, in that revival of 1906 to 1910. And, uh, and uh, here's one of the things, here's one of the accounts I'm just picking up a blurb here. He explained that the experience was greater than breathing pure oxygen. There were times the Shekinah glory was only a foot high and he would lie down in it to breathe God's glory. He often stressed that the greater the Shekinah glory, the greater the power. 
He would note that the flames were there when God, through Seymour, performed the miracles where a leg regrew and another where an arm regrew. Garcia was there when the arm grew out. He said, Brother Tommy, he didn't have a ball joint in his shoulder. It had been ripped out of there due to a train accident. I was close enough to be looking right at the shoulder, and all of a sudden I saw the bones start to come out, and then flesh started coming around them. His arm just shot out in just what seemed mere seconds as I watched. For Garcia, it seemed like he was watching in slow motion as he was awed at what God was doing. Brother Garcia was the first to tell me of Seymour's prophecy that in about 100 years there would be a return of the Shekinah glory and a revival that would surpass the works of God as Azusa. Okay, that prophecy was given in approximately 1910 in California. So, as I said, since 2010, they experienced what they described as a fog a spiritual fog that manifests physically. In fact, some of the kids said that they played hide-and-seek in the fog. They could, they'd move around and hide from each other in this room, in the building. And that's where those kind of creative miracles. Now, does that, do, does that kind of mess you up? Like Because this is not the book of Acts, which is cool. Because, but even that seems like, well, you know, of course, it was Peter, you know. It was like 2,000 years ago. God was moving differently then. Well, besides the fact that's not true, but still it feels a little bit differently. But within our generation, what are the possibilities? And how do I get in on that? <laughs> um, and then I was thinking about uh, Heather's dream that she shared last week. Wasn't that tremendous? Man, that's just been messing me up all week long. And she accounted that in this dream the Lord gave her that there was um, a van load of angels that got out in, in old medical scrubs, right? And they had different assignments written on them, I guess. But I'm thinking, well, you know, if they're in medical scrubs, they're bound to be some healing angels in that group of angels. And, uh, and I want to share with you one thing I read um, several years ago, and uh, you guys are, some of you are familiar with this lady, Ann Roundtree. Um, she lived up in Moravian Falls. I believe, did she recently pass away or was it her husband? Somebody told me. I don't know. I, I could be wrong. But anyway, she's an older lady, and um, she wrote this book. Um, what's it? What was the name of the book? When the Heavens Opened? Something like that. Yeah. Anyway, in a part of... Catch everybody up to speed. Basically, she had these heavenly visitations where in a trance or whatever, she went and, and the Lord took her into heaven. And she had these experiences where she saw these things and she would lay it out in this book and show from the scripture where this was from, you know, just so everybody didn't get too tripped up. But anyway, this one little excerpt that really struck me, it's called Angels of Healing. And here's what she wrote about in heaven. She said, I turned to look at the face of the angels. They looked like the United Nations of angelhood, representing many uh, nationalities. I suppose that the Lord would send them on assignments all over the world. They were very intent upon the lecture. The instructor continued. instructor continued, You realize that you play a very important role in verifying our Lord's victory in the area of health. He's speaking to the angels. The enemy will use any wild 
while to attempt to bring into a place of unbelief those to whom our God assigns you. He is a master of unbelief. He has succeeded mightily with humankind in general and with the elect specifically. It is often easier, catch this, for the redeemed, that's us, to believe our Lord will provide for them financially than to believe He wants His people well. The healing revival is about to begin. Instead of one of you, we will be assigning two of you to each person slated for the gift of healing. We want you to learn to work together now. We have some badges for you to fasten to those receiving this gift. He held up a badge and it was green with red letters which read, Only Believe. Who's slated for the gift of healing in this outpouring? Who wants it? (laughs) Bunny's got her hand up. I believe we're all, all that will, all that will call upon the name of the Lord, all that want to sign up. When I read that for the first time, immediately I fell on my face. I want it. Or I laid back in my chair. I can't remember which. I want this. And I I felt like the Father said, you've got it. And I want to encourage us as a body, the same thing with Heather's dream that she shared last week. You've got it. The angels of healing are here in this place. I mean, they're here with us, not just in this place physically. They're here with us. Walk in that confidence. As Bob encouraged us, no matter what we see or we don't see, don't let that deter your faith. Because we're going through a season now. We're breaking off the disappointment, right? We're breaking off the hopelessness. We're breaking off the despair. We're breaking off the anger. We're breaking off the fear. And now it's time to walk into this place that God has prepared us for all along. And uh, I was reading Michelle's book recently, and she was talking about what has traditionally been called the dark night of the soul. The way she described it is when all of a sudden you're doing great with God and then you hit this place where it's like, where is God? You know, you might know what I'm talking about? Like you can't hear Him. You can't sense His presence. You feel like everything just got shut down, but you can't figure out why. You know, it's like the lights turned off, but there was no reason for it. It's not like anything major happened or you did something or anything like that to separate you, but, it, but what she described it is it's the loving embrace of the Father, and she used the analogy of a pilot flying a plane with only through, using the instruments. You know, that a pilot has to go through in their training this time where they don't look at the outward situation, but they follow the instruments, and they learn to maintain their course by the instruments, because as a pilot, you can get very disoriented, and if you don't do that, you'll crash the plane. Eventually, you know, so when I was reading that, I was thinking, no, Lord, I feel like this is a part of using all things for good. You know, nobody's going to sign up or even accuse God, certainly, of causing these some of these things that we've been through to happen. But as they have, I can see how the father wants to use all things to good for the testing, the trying and the strengthening of our faith. That having walked through the fire, we're now prepared and saying, this is it. You're right on course. You're right where you should be, River Life. Press on. As Bob said, circle up. 
Don't get disappointed. Keep praying. Keep pressing through. Keep healing. Keep releasing the healing. And you're going to see the breakthrough come. There's so many words I could share, and I only got 15 minutes left. I want to, just real quickly, I remember a guy at, um, what's that guy's name at Morning? He was at Morning Star, a younger guy. Anyway, he um, sent us an email one time, and he said, I had this vision, and I was driving down. I-77 coming like where that placard is, that billboard into Mooresville. And it said, what I think of when I hear this is I think of that billboard down here coming north that's for the baseball park, you know, or something like that. There's another Mooresville billboard. Anyway, in the vision, he saw a billboard and it said, Mooresville, home of the healing pools. And uh, he, he just had to share this with us. And he said, and then I came here, and you guys literally had like a, I don't remember how he described it, an above-ground swimming pool type of pool in behind your property. And he just went on to describe, and he's just trying to encourage us that the Lord really does want to pour it out um, specifically in our community and in our area. Um, so in Anna, Anne Roundtree's account, she said, it said, only believe. And uh, I was thinking about, you know, of course, that comes from the story of Jairus' daughter. And, you know, he's this guy who's just in a desperate place. And, um, you know, I think we can all really relate with Jairus. Because who hasn't? I mean, I feel that way about Star. You know, it's just uh, just a desperate plea. You know, I, I sit there with her mama and I just, you know, it's just tough. You know, your only daughter. So... Just to put it in context, this is kind of Jairus' situation. He's pleading with the Lord, and so the Lord's saying, okay, I'll come. But then what happens? Disappointment. In fact, the people gather around like, don't bother Jesus anymore. Your daughter's died. She's been on. Well, here's what it says while he was still speaking. This is Mark five thirty-five and 36. Some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter's dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, I feel like he put his arm around him. He got up in his face. He looked him in his eye and said, Don't be afraid. Only believe. Only believe. Only believe. This is quite contrary to our human understanding and even our human experience. That's the difficulty of stepping into the spirit versus the natural realm. Faith is impossible in the natural realm sometimes, isn't it? But in the spirit, all things are possible. Like we heard on the kids' VBS song, everything is possible. Everything is possible. Do we really believe that? So let me give you a real in five minutes or less, maybe ten Healing Covenant Rundown. Okay, I want to go start with Exodus very, through real quickly and give you point by point, this is your inheritance. Are you with me? Began with the covenant with Abraham and Sarah in Genesis 18. Think about it. From the very moment God called Abram to be the father of many nations, what was the problem that they had? Barrenness, right? It's a physical ailment. We've been fighting through that ourselves in this body, haven't we, with, with some loved ones and family members. So they needed healing. 
What did God provide? Healing. He opened the womb. Even for a 90-something-year-old woman, she gave birth to a child. Everything's possible. It's possible with God. So from the get-go, from the very first covenant with mankind, the very first man, uh, the very first man, healing was a part of the covenant. Then in Genesis 20, if you got that one, um, 20:17, it was confirmed. And I'm not going to go through the whole scenario here, but it says so. Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech his wife and his female servants. Then they bore children, for the Lord had closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abram's wife. So check this out. This is on two chapters after God healed Sarah. What Abram received, Abraham gave away. Because there was another situation of a barren womb, and it says Abram prayed and God opened the womb. So it just keeps going. Then, of course, the covenant is sealed up and confirmed in Exodus 15:26, with the children of Israel in the desert. And he said, this is the Father, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in His sight, give ear to His commandments and keep all His statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am... The Lord who heals you. That's the Jehovah Rapha verse. He tied his very nature to I'm the God who heals. What a powerful thing. Um, Which by the way, because of the blood of Christ, you have kept the commandments. You have kept the statutes. You have heeded the voice of the Lord. Did you know that? By the way, we have a new covenant. It's called grace. The blood of Christ has redeemed us from all of our mistakes from all of our sins. It's, healing is as much grace as salvation from our sins is. It's the children's bread Jesus taught us. Moving right along, David rejoiced in knowledge of the covenant in Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Isaiah confirmed and proclaimed it in Isaiah 35, 5-6. This is a cool verse. Check this one out. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For waters shall burst forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. Isn't that awesome? Moving on to the new covenant, Jesus made healing a part of His mission statement in Luke 4, 18 and 19, right? The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, sight to the blind, so on and so forth. I like to think of this as Jesus' mission statement. You know, this is what He came to accomplish. And later on it was said that He came to destroy the works of the devil. Now, it didn't just stop with him, of course. Jesus affirmed that provision was made in his death on the cross for our healing in Matthew eight seventeen. Um, it says, when eve- I'm going to start in Matthew eight sixteen. sorry, but anyway, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He Himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. 
So Mark is quote, or Matthew's quoting Isaiah there. He confirmed the covenant. It's still alive today. It's still ongoing today. This is what Jesus has done to us. Now I know me and Marlon, we're, we're big on that word A-L-L. He healed all. Yeah. Because, you know, I like, you're always thankful for a little trickle of healings. You know, <laughs> as you commonly think of. But how many want to go for the all? I believe the all of healing is the ultimate thing. Like all, you know, word gets out in the community. All who walk into the doors of that church, everyone got healed. They all get healed. You know, and I was talking to somebody about healing rooms this week. And I said, you know, the great news in the medical community is in the past couple of decades, or the past decade even, it seems like that mind, body, spirit, the holistic medicine approach has given a shift to this science of medicine. It seems to me like it used to be more atheistic, more naturalistic, more, you know, um, figured it all out eventually, the human body. But now even the best physicians in the pl- on the planet are saying there's something else. There's a spiritual aspect to the healing of the body. And so... Um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of that has been moved into the New Age realm with the Reiki healers and so on and so forth, where, uh, like, one time Kevin McClary was telling me that even his dermatologist recommended him to a Reiki uh, healer. You know, can you believe that? So that's the bad news. But the good news is, well, the door's open for us. So I want to be talking to some of the local physicians and saying, hey, by the way, we have this thing called healing rooms at River Life. How about when you say to Mr. Smith, There's, we've done all we can for you, but I would recommend the healing rooms down the road here because they're seeing a lot of results. In fact, all who go there are healed, so you might want to check it out. I mean, you talk about cultural impact. Like, I believe, is that possible, church? I mean, seriously. It's not only possible, it's plausible. Like, it's very possible. Not because anything we are, because of what God wants to do. I mean, if he put a placard up on 77, (laughs) said the healing pools, you know, come on, in Mooresville. Just really, let me just pause. None of us here want to do this to get on a big stage in front of 10 million people and be the next Todd Bentley, even though I love Todd Bentley, no disrespect to him. That's not the goal. The goal is is because we're sick of seeing people suffer. I'm tired of every report of disease and illness. You know, my son Noah, his grandfather, just recently passed away of Parkinson's. You know, it's like, Lord, I want to walk into that room and see Parkinson's destroyed in an instant. This is a whole other thing. Regardless of his faith, Now this man was a believer. Even if he was an unbeliever, were only the people who Jesus healed believers? I think they quickly became believers. (laughs) That's kind of the whole point, isn't it? So not everything has to ride on just what's inside of that person. Oh wow, I'm getting off. there's, There's a whole lot. But here's the thing. I believe if we would just... God wants to give us revelation on these sorts of questions. Because I have a lot of questions. I know you do as well. But He wants to give us the revelation. I really believe that. We can glean it from the thousand pages of John G. Lake and Smith Wigglesworth. But He also, even aside from that, wants to speak to your heart directly about one of those keys to somebody's healing and mine. And we can come together as a community 
and press through into these things. Because the provision he's freely given us, it's already here. But what we really want, I think we'll have to press into it a little bit. We'll have to lean into that thing, not striving, but in the grace of God. And it's right there. You guys good? All right, real quickly here, let me hurry through this. And then Jesus, of course, bestowed the power to heal upon his 12 disciples in Luke 9, 1. Then he called his 12 together. He gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. And then, of course, some church people say, yeah, but that was the apostles, brother. Well, didn't just stop there. He likewise bestowed power to heal upon the 70. Who were they? They weren't apostles. Followers, I guess. Luke 10, 1. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before His face into every city and place where He was Himself about to go. In verse 9, And heal the sick there and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. And then next, after His resurrection then, He extended power to heal to all who would believe. Everybody say all. That means you. All who would believe. Mark 16. And He said, Go in all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. It doesn't say these signs will follow only those with the gift of healing that the Father has specially in His sovereign will appointed. It says, All who believe in My name, they'll cast out demons, speak with new tongues, take up servants, you know, what they, uh, it, anything they drink will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they might recover. No. <laughs> they will recover. Amen. And two more points. Unless healing should be... By the way, I, I got this rundown from John G. Lake. Okay, I had to throw that in there. But Unless healing should be lost to the church, as in some it has, he perpetuated it forever as one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. I'm not going to read those gifts. You probably know them. The gifts of healing, the workings of miracles. He perpetuated that. And then in James 5.13... The church, finally, was commanded to practice it, right? Do you have that one? Call the elders of the church. You know, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him and anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Who's righteous? Everybody raise your hand. You're the righteousness in Christ. The righteousness of Christ lives in you. Amen? So this is exactly what we're going for. Now let, let me... It's right at 1030. I did pretty good. Let me read in conclusion... This um, thing that John G. Lake wrote in that big memoir. This is really great. And then we're going to take communion and pray for the sick. God always was the healer. He is the healer still and will, remain e and will ever remain the healer. Healing is for you.
Jesus healed all that came to him. He never turned anyone away. He never said, sorry, it's not God's will to heal you. Or that it was better for the individual to remain sick. Or that they were being perfected in character through the sickness. He healed them all. Thereby demonstrating forever God's unchangeable will concerning sickness and healing. Now listen, let's be real about this here for a second. I know that you have questions. Probably even as I read that statement, people were raising some objections in your mind. You know, honestly, I think that's okay. Because those questions are just a part of being human. And like I said, the human experience. However... We cannot adopt our theology to only what our experiences dictate. For example, have you ever heard a verified, you trust this person, a verified healing of blind eyes being opened? Raise your hand if you've ever heard of that. Okay, great. Now how many people, how many of those same people have ever yourself prayed for blind eyes and they popped open? Anybody? Okay, so my point is this. You haven't personally experienced it, but you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has done it, right? So the same thing remains in all of those questions, and that's why we'll not back down. Because as we've just demonstrated, it is the covenant that we have with God to be the healer. So I'm going to take the prophet's advice seriously, and that's why I went from talking about prayer to talking about healing again is that this is something that God really cares about. And we want to press into it. Dean, you want to come? You know, Matthew said that um, Jesus sent out the 12, and then he sent out the 70, and then after he was resurrected, he sent us all out. Well, from the time that communion, which is the Passover, was instituted with Moses, to the time that Jesus rose from the dead was over a thousand years, um, pretty close to about 1,500 years. So for 1,500 years, every year, they would do the Passover, and they would pray this prayer, Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaHalam Borei Pri Hagafen. Blessed are you, Lord God, King of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. And they would drink. But when Jesus prayed it that night, he said, This is my blood, take ye and drink. And he said it during the third cup, which was the cup of redemption. Jesus' blood redeems. Now, just as important, and what's so cool, is that Jesus, who is the bread of life, for 1,500 years before Jesus held up the bread, they would say, Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaHalam HaMotzi Lechem Min HaAretz. Blessed are you, Lord God, King of the universe, who brings forth the bread from the ground. And when Jesus took that bread, he said, this is my body. I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread that God will bring from the ground. And as a result, those promises of Abraham to all of us are yes and amen. So I say that with 1,500 years in mind. If you've been praying for your healing or the healing of someone you know, and you've been praying over and over and over until you've prayed for 1,500 years, know that God is faithful to keep his promises. He can't lie. He can't forget them. 
for 1,500 years. Blessed are you, Lord God, King of the universe, who brings forth the bread from the ground. Not who will bring forth the bread from the ground, but speaking as though it were, who brings forth the bread of the ground. And then that day, he brought forth the bread of the ground. So let's come take communion. So um, after, come and take communion, and after you're finished, if you need prayer for healing, just remain up here, and if we can have our ministry team come after you finish communion, and we're going to see God heal this morning.